electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. You're listening to The Exchange. Here's today's show. Welcome, everybody, to The Exchange. I am Brian Sullivan in for Kelly once again. Here's what's coming up. Fed Chair Jay Powell promising to fight inflation until the job is done. Meantime, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is in Michigan promoting the economic agenda. So are monetary and fiscal policies pulling in two very different directions. Also on the agenda, electric cars. Yellen is at a Ford facility. Today, GM is pushing its lower-priced electric Equinox. But with the electricity grid in shambles, is the country ready for an electric revolution? And we're going to get you ready for the big earnings reports that are on deck. you got Restoration Hardware, DocuSign, and Kroger. That is all ahead. But we begin this hour on a much more somber note, and a story that the entire world is watching. is the health of Queen Elizabeth and what may become her final days. Shepard Smith is here now with the very latest. Shepard. Brian, thanks very much. We got word about 7 o'clock Eastern time this morning that doctors were concerned about the Queen's health. They told us that members of the family were beginning to, to arrive in Balmoral Castle, where she spends most of her summers. The Queen is not hospitalized, but Buckingham Palace released this statement. Following further evaluation this morning, the Queen's doctors are concerned for Her Majesty's health and have recommended she remain under medical supervision. The Queen remains comfortable at Balmoral. The White House says President Biden has been briefed on the Queen's condition and that his thoughts are with the Queen and her family. And late word from Sky News that people have begun laying flowers at the gates of Buckingham Palace. Meantime, the Queen's family, senior royals and others have arrived at Balmoral on a rainy uh, afternoon. Wilfred Frost is in London for us now in this 6 p.m. hour British summertime. Anchor for our sister network Sky News in the U.K. and CNBC contributor. Wilf, good afternoon. Hey, Shep. Uh, Yes, indeed. We are all waiting with bated breath for a further uh, update from Buckingham Palace, uh, uh, particularly now uh, more than at any point in the last six hours, given that we do believe all of the senior members of the royal family are now at Balmoral with Her Majesty the Queen. Uh, Prince Charles, the heir to the throne, uh, and his wife, the Duchess of Cornwall, and his sister, Princess Anne, have been there for some hours. And in the last hour or so, arriving in a fleet of SUVs, uh, the Queen's other two sons, Prince Edward and Prince Andrew, uh, and of course the second in line to the throne, uh, her grandson, Prince William, uh, arrived as well. We understand Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex, is making his own way up to Balmoral also. Given that they are all now by his side, there is an added sense of anticipation that we might now perhaps get a further update uh, from Buckingham Palace as to the Queen's uh, health and condition. And uh, we remain, of course, hopeful that it will be uh, a positive update, though the day, uh, as uh, Brian said at the top, has had a somber tone because of the unique nature of that statement that we got from Buckingham Palace at 7 a.m. Eastern time that you read out earlier, that we have never got uh, during any of her other past health concerns over the last couple of years, and indeed the fact that these members of the royal family have rushed to be by her side, Shep. 
It's our understanding, as you mentioned, that one, one, there's one important person who's not yet arrived, Prince Harry, his wife Meghan Markle staying behind. Do we know anything about his travels and when he might arrive at Balmoral? I don't, but we uh, just don't don't think he was on board that plane that landed in uh, Aberdeen about 90 minutes ago and therefore not uh, in that fleet of SUVs that arrived uh, at Balmoral about 30 minutes ago. We, we wouldn't expect him necessarily to, to have been with them, of course. Uh, he was coming from Germany. He wasn't coming from London like the rest of them. And on top of that, uh, many of the Queen's other grandchildren, uh, like Harry is, uh, are not attending at this stage. Maybe they will be making their own ways up as, as well. But uh, I wouldn't say that that's a huge surprise uh, or, or means anything significant that he is uh, making his own way up there and is not there yet. Yep, understood. And uh, we, we also know that Kate Middleton is at home with Prince William's children who had their first day of school today. Uh, and she's there with them awaiting further notice. Uh, Wilfred Frost, thanks so much as we look live at Balmoral Castle in Scotland where the rains have stopped for the moment, as I mentioned, in the 6 p.m. hour there in, in Great Britain. And we'll have updates throughout the afternoon here in the U.S. For now, Brian, back to you. All right, Shep, thank you very much. And, of course, we will return to you for any updates on the Queen's health and, of course, wishing her and her entire family, really the nation, the best. But right now, back to what we do best, and that is the markets and your money. Stocks right now are down a little bit, but little, we'll call it little changed. I mean, the Dow's down 20 points. Now, the Dow had fallen more than 250 before rebounding and then going back lower in just about the last hour. I think we call that a volatile day. Fed Chair Jay Powell staying hawkish and reiterating his goal of 2% inflation in a speech earlier today. A reminder, we are at a staggering 8.5% inflation rate right now, so 2% is a long long way away. Now, Powell also warned against backing down from tightening too quickly. Listen. The longer inflation remains well above target, the greater the risk that the public does begin to see higher inflation as the norm. And that has the capacity to really raise the costs of, of getting inflation down. So finally, history cautions strongly against prematurely loosening policy. All this is on the heels of a bunch of hawkish sentiment yesterday. Vice Chair Lael Brainerd saying, quote, monetary policy will need to be restrictive for some time to provide confidence that inflation is moving down to target, end quote. While the Wall Street Journal reported the Federal Reserve is on the path for another 75 basis point or three quarters of one percent hike after Powell's Jackson Hole comments. Remember those. They sent the Dow plunging a thousand points. And that journal piece triggered Goldman Sachs to raise its interest rate hike expectations over the next two meetings. Goldman Sachs now sees three-fourths of a percent in a few weeks and then another half percent at the November meeting. Goldman said it is a, quote, likely hint from the Fed leadership that a 75 basis point hike is coming at the September meeting and the FOMC will delay its plan to slow down. So where does this leave both Wall Street and Main Street? Well, let's talk about them both. Jason Brady of Thornburg Investments will tell us what to do with your money in just a couple of minutes. But the Milken Institute's Bill Lee will kick things off with the economic implications of all this tough talk. And Bill's a former Federal Reserve member himself. Is there a point to these just daily, if not hourly, hawkish comments coming from everybody at the Fed, Bill? Oh, Brian, the Fed is rediscovering one of its most important policy tools, which is tough talk and tough talk that's credible, because the more people believe that the Fed will, in fact, return inflation to 2% in a reasonable amount of time, then they're not going to be acting in a way to make things worse. And that's the rhythm that the, we came out of with Jackson Hole and every member of the Fed choir 
every FOMC participant is drumming the same beat to make sure that that message comes across, especially to Wall Street, because the, the, the notion of a pivot was the one thing that scared the hell out of the FOMC members to say that, my God, our entire message has been missed. And so now we find that tough talk has become a very important policy tool. Yeah, the market, though, how, do we, how are we supposed to read this? I mean, 2% inflation is a long way from 8.5, the CPI number. Morgan Stanley thinks will probably show a negative print this month, meaning inflation is coming down in certain things, particularly energy. But is there one way to, to read into what the Fed is doing? Right now, the, very, the one belief that everyone has is it takes a recession to get people to stop spending. And so the Fed is going to say, OK, you want a recession, we're going to give you a recession, and we're going to raise rates to 35 4%, and possibly even higher, according to some members, uh, in order to get that recession. Now, once people hear that, they're going to say, wow, we better save, start to save some money in case we get laid off. Once that happens, Brian, that's when inflation starts to cool off because that's when the excess demand starts to cool off. And that's the key to this tough talk policy tool. If the, if the, if the markets don't believe it, if they don't believe rates will go up to 4.5%, then they're really going to have to do it. And they're going to have to pay, maybe raise it to 6% to get rid of that disbelief because that's what Volcker faced when people just said the Fed has no credibility. Yeah, right I now, the, the Fed is on a knife edge. Well, I wonder what they're going to take the knife to, Bill, because the, one of the biggest components of inflation that, you know, we talk all about gasoline prices. Housing is far more important to the majority of Americans. Owners equivalent rents, the housing market, et cetera. It's a major part of inflation. It's starting to cool off a bit. But is there any way, Bill, to get to 2% inflation without effectively crashing the housing market? If the landlords believe that inflation will not be 8 or 9% for the next two years, then the next rent increase, at least renewal, they're not going to ask for anything more than 3 or 4% if they believe that this, it won't influence them. That's the key. These sticky prices get renewed once a year, once every six months. Uh, you know, garage mechanics uh, you know, change their pricing very, you know, very, very slowly. And that's the key. If you get the slow changers, which is the core inflation, the, the services that you're, you and I are worried about and the Fed is worried about, if they can slow down yeah. these increases that's the key do we need to slow the increases bill or do you need to have rents and home prices actually come down we're seeing some signs of the latter well let, let's take one step at a time the fed will be delirious if they could get disinflation that is slowing down the pace of increases from nine percent back down to four or three or two percent a price decline is called deflation, and that can bring out its own problems. Yes, it can, as we have learned in the past. Bill Lee, the Milken Institute. Bill, look forward to seeing you again in person. Thank you. Thanks, All man. right, so based on that, should you be making moves in your portfolio as the Fed tries to fight its way out of this inflation hole? Joining us is Jason Brady, president and CEO of Thornburg Investment Management. No doubt a man with many opinions about the Fed, but your job is to, to don't laugh. Your job is to take what you hear and put it into actionable information. So how do you read these daily, the Fed hitting us over the head with an inflation hammer? Well, everybody's got an opinion, right? It's like a lot of things. So <laughs> when you think about uh, what Bill just described, what you were actually asking in housing, I think one key piece of this is 
exactly the lag that we're talking about. There's a lag in the outcome of what Fed, the Fed does, in other words, long and variable lags, but most particularly on housing, uh, because it adjusts so slowly, it's going to take a while for that to flow through to inflation. So the Fed is in an embarrassing spot. They have to be hawkish, and that's why you're seeing this cavalcade. What we do is we step back and say, all right, well, in an environment of inflation or an environment of big volatility and big changes, not just in the U.S., but globally, how can we balance portfolios to have successful investment outcomes? Okay, well, you think there's a successful investment outcome in MasterCard, which is interesting, Jason, given that we're talking about the consumer, high debt levels already. Are they going to stop spending? Or maybe all the credit cards are already maxed out, and that's great for MasterCard. So MasterCard, really, it's a big part of this is a volume game. And if you think about the way that this works, it's in nominal prices, right? So as inflation increases, frankly, let's just look at how much you're spending on your card when you go to the gas station. Okay, maybe a little less now, but that's actually done in nominal prices. The other piece of this for us is that we think that the consumer is actually in relatively good shape. Relative to 2008, I know what that looked like in 2008, but relative to 2008, consumer balance sheets are way better. I don't expect that kind of recession going forward. Corporate balance sheets are worse, and government balance sheets are much worse. So the consumer is a relative safe haven. Relative safe haven. Okay, fair enough. What are some other names that you like, Jason? Where should we be putting the money given the inflationary possible consumer slowdown environment that we are in? I'm going to give you a, a couple of ideas outside the United States because we're so focused uh, here in the United States. Looking at a name like Enel. Now, mm. I'm diving right into European energy. Don't where, know anything about oh my it. Gosh, Never talked could, about it. Don't right. have any idea what you're talking about. Right. right. <laughs> so here you have a company that is really ahead on an energy transition, something that is going to be much more aggressive, not just in 2022, but in 2023 and beyond. And prices are cheap. This is a, well below a 10 times PE with a real balance sheet, real yield. So there's an example of someplace you can go and say, hey, look, the, the, the narrative might be European energy, I'm scared, but the, and maybe you should be, but the solution is in the context of certain names that yeah. might be interesting. Well, like to be now. fair, maybe you're supposed to buy when you're scared or when things are scary. I mean, we, we've talked about this from the dawn of time, right? Buy at the sound of cannons and sell at the sound of trumpets or whatever that is from the, I don't know, 1700s. Um, Nestle, another European name exposed to the mm -hmm. consumer. I got to imagine some currency mm -hmm. conversion issues there, but you still, you still like them. So Nestle is a great example of balance on the other side. So this is not a cheap franchise, right, at 26 times P.E. But I think what investors get uh, confused is domicile of a company and operations of a company. I mean, is Nestle really a European or Swiss company? Um, I mean, it, Swiss Miss maybe, but come on. Nestle is a global company. It's got franchises everywhere, or it's got, it's got brands everywhere, excuse me. And yes, the currency conversion is issue for them to manage, but they're very good at managing it. Frankly, they've been having to manage it their, 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 their entire uh, corporate life. So that's a name which is defensive, a name like a at least as it acts in the marketplaces, mm -hmm. may be more cyclical. So that's the kind of balance that investors need in portfolio as opposed to going all you know, tech or yeah. all energy. Jason Brady, Thornburg Investments, MasterCard, Enel, and Nestle. We appreciate it, Jason. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. For more investing ideas, be sure to tune in to our CNBC special Blue Chip Playbook tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern. Sarah's going to take you sector by sector with the best of the best, bringing you the top ideas from our panel of experts. That is tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern. And by the way, we don't have a graphic for it. We should. I'm hosting a CNBC Pro event tomorrow at 11 a.m. 
with Tim Seymour, CNBC Pro. Brian, my, I don't have a graphic. My name's not up there. It may not be happening. But check out the CNBC Pro side of the website. I can at least tease myself, right? Good grief. All right, coming up, it is all about electric cars. Rivian partnering with Mercedes on electric vans. Jeep rolling out their EV strategy and GM unveiling its all-electric Chevy Equinox. Are we finally at an EV tipping point? And by the way, do we have the infrastructure to support it all? That is next. Plus, results out over DocuSign, Kroger, and Restoration Hardware all on deck. But a cloud firm, a grocer, and a retailer can tell you about the state of the economy. That's ahead in the earnings exchange. Stick around. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to The Exchange. Let's have a little fun and talk cars, because the auto industry is not having an evolution. It's having a revolution, trying to convince everybody to gash gas and move to electric. GM is no different, betting the barn on EVs, but investors don't seem convinced GM shares having their worst year in more than a decade. So, will the unveiling of its new all-electric Equinox, the beautiful car behind Phil LeBeau, help turn the stock around? Well, Phil spoke with Mary Barr this morning, the CEO, checked out the car and joins us with a look, I would say, with under the hood, but it's an EV, so there's nothing under the hood, except for space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the battery is what's important. We'll talk about battery production in a bit, uh, Brian. Look, the Equinox is critical in GM's push to overtake Tesla in U.S. electric vehicle sales by 2025. Remember, the Equinox is the second best-selling model in the Chevy lineup. And here are the numbers within the numbers when it comes to the all-electric Equinox. First of all, the range will be between 250 and 300 miles. The target base price, and there's not a final price, but this is they're targeting the base price at around $30,000, which would be huge if they could come in anywhere close to that when it goes on sale in late 2023. And Mary Barra tells me they want to get these out into the showrooms as quickly as possible. For the Equinox, we're going to ramp quickly. So it starts, you know, uh, toward the end of next year. But, you know, I think we'll be, you know, really close to full production by first quarter of 2024. So the Equinox is a very quick ramp because of all the learnings we've had with Altium with the, the products uh, like uh, Hummer and Lyric. Pressure is building on General Motors to catch up with the EV leaders in the U.S., and you'll see them right here. You've got Tesla, king of the hill. We've talked about this for some time, followed by Hyundai, Ford, VW. Mary Barra says, yes, they can catch up, in part, as they ramp up their battery production in North America. I think Ultium gives us a, a special advantage because we started working on the Ultium platform back in 2018. It goes all the way from a, you know, an Equinox size vehicle up to the super truck Hummer and even Bright Drop. And that's scalable. So we're getting that scale as we ramp up. We're going to see cost um, advantages because of that. 
And remember, the first Ultium battery plant in Northeast Ohio has just started production. There are three more that are going to be coming online over the next year, year and a half. So, Brian, this is the beginning of the big push by General Motors to ramp up the EV sales in real numbers because they've got the Blazer coming out next year, the Equinox, and then the electric Silverado. It's a good-looking car. We talked about it when you were in the studio. We got to go, Phil, but I, I worry about the price. 66000 as shown on the GM website. That's a lot of coin well, for an Equinox that's the, or a that's, Blazer. That's, that's, the high, the that's the high end. Brian, that's yep. the high end. They're, they're not counting on the high yep. end only. It's the base models that they really need to push the lower price ones, and that's going to be a focus. Fair enough, and you might still get that $7,500 credit as well. Phil, thank you very much. All right, so while the auto world has gone gaga for electric cars, a lot of questions do remain about the industry going forward. A lot of them starting with the word real. What is the real demand? What are the real costs? And what's it really like to wait for a charge? And what really happens to the grid if EVs do take over? California is having an electric emergency right now to stretch to its limits, and they're asking consumers to hold back on charging their cars. In fact, they just called another energy emergency from 3 to 9 p.m. tonight. But could electric cars save the grid? Let's welcome in Joanne Muller. She is transportation correspondent Axios. A new article, Joanne, on just that with the idea, I guess, that it's not a one-way street. If you've got a Ford F-150 Lightning, theoretically, you could power at least part of your home, depending on how big your home is, I guess, with the car. Well, Brian, yes, uh, that's the long-term plan, that uh, these EVs uh, potentially strapped together in the grid can, can really uh, handle those peaks that we're currently dealing with now in California. So the energy can flow both ways, and you might even make a little money or get a discount on your electricity for offering up some from your car. Listen, here's what I worry about with, with EVs right now, particularly this is the big push, as you just heard Phil talk about. So let's say you're out in Los Angeles or, or Fresno or wherever you are, and you're like, you know what? It's time to get a new car. Let's go electric. But wait a minute. My governor's saying I shouldn't be charging my electric car. You wonder, Joanne, if that's going to just spook people off because once they make the commitment, that's like a 10 or 12-year relationship. Well, yes, but I, I think we need to be very careful here. The governor is not saying don't charge your electric vehicle. He's saying please don't charge it in the late afternoon between three and nine. Don't use your washing machine. Don't use, you know, dim your lights if you can. That's the time when everybody wants their air conditioning on. But guess what? Electric vehicles don't usually charge that time of day. Most electric vehicles charge overnight when demand is low. And by the way, prices for electricity are lower than two. Yeah, but you also have the solar component as well. I just wonder about the marginal charge, Joanne. Here's the real, I don't know, you've probably driven a lot of electric cars. I have too. I drove one last year from Las Vegas to San Francisco. It was about 115 degrees through Bakersfield when I did it. And I got to tell you, Joanne, a lot of the chargers that we found, and we recorded all this, by the way, were broken. They were slow. They had no shade. You were cooking your skin. You couldn't sit in the car. We've got a ways to go, at least according to my opinion and my experiences, on the charging side. No doubt about it. The infrastructure for charging is still uh, being built out, and we really need to go a lot farther. There's some money in the uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act to put more chargers in, the Build Back Better uh, Act as well. But... Uh, you know, there's a very long way to go. But keep in mind, most people do charge at home. Uh, those fast chargers along the highway are good for those road trips like you took. Well, the, the people that charge at home are the people that have a garage, which right now it's rich people are buying EVs. I just drove a thousand miles from the upper peninsula of Michigan to New Jersey three days ago. 
I counted seven electric cars, five Teslas, one Mustang Mach-E that had a flat tire, and a Rivian, which I, took a, which I took a video of. I never saw one person charging at the rest stops, which, by the way, maybe makes me want to be an electric car because I won't have to wait, right? I mean, what's the chicken and what's the egg here, Joanne? Is it I see enough chargers that I feel comfortable, even if I don't have a garage, or I'm going to buy the car and I'll figure it out? You know, what's really interesting, just having public chargers is like a security blanket for EV buyers. They may not use them very often, but they want to know that they're there. That's right. I do believe that most people still are going to charge at home. It doesn't work in cities where people are living in tall apartment buildings. So you have to have different solutions there, of course. But uh, uh, I, I do think, you know, this $30,000 Chevrolet Equinox, uh, a lot of families are going to drive that and a lot of them have garage. So I think it's going to be a big hit if they can meet that price target. Yeah, the, the price target, a little federal tax credit, making sure the infrastructure is there and is working. We're getting there. It's exciting to see. Hey, Joanne, I don't know of any other industry that is getting a chance to build a trillion dollar business alongside their existing business. It's a hell of a time. Joanne Muller, thank you. Thank you. All right. Still ahead, former Disney CEO Bob Iger. Some dire warnings for us, the media. We're going to tell you what they are and why he says Disney did not buy Twitter. And Elon Musk is going to latch on to these comments. We'll tell you about them. Plus, armed with nearly $100 billion in new financing, the IRS has high earners in its crosshairs. We'll tell you what the agency is doing to crack down on all you tax skimmers out there. You know who you are. The exchange is back after this. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Have a weird day for the market today. I mean, right now we're up 125 on the Dow. We were just down a couple of points, like literally at the top of the show. We were down earlier 250. It's been kind of a topsy-turvy market with not a lot of news. All right, here's some of the big movers at this hour. Asana shares, they are surging after raising its full-year forecast. Company also beat on the top and bottom line. Stock on pace for its best day ever. Regeneron, also a higher up, showing promising trial results for an eye disease drug. Shares are on pace for their best day in more than a decade. And only about 6% away from their all-time high. On the flip side... Intel falling to its lowest level since May of 2016. It is on pace for its fourth straight week of losses. That is the worst streak for Intel in three years. Ugh. Speaking of Intel, do not miss our interview tomorrow with the CEO, Pat Gelsinger. The groundbreaking of the company's new plant in Ohio. That is tomorrow at 7.30 a.m. Eastern in Squawk Box. Good for Ohio. Good for the job market. All right, still ahead. Furniture, electronic signatures, and even food on today's earnings. Exchange two names. Expected to report double-digit declines in earnings per share, while Kroger expected to get a boost from gasoline. The exchange returns right after this. You've been listening to The Exchange. Make sure you're subscribed to get each episode every day, same time, same place. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof-of-delivery, 
packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 